Hey, what's up? Wait, so you're eating trail mix and I'm eating chocolate. No, I wish I was eating chocolate. Well, there's some chocolate in there. Yeah. I wonder if you I, eat all the <clears throat> MMs. People that have a hard <clears throat> Whoa. Oh wait, are you choking on something? <laughs> choking on a peanut. He's choking on a peanut. Yes. An early, early episode. You gotta go way back. Like I mean, I'm talking probably first ten episodes of, of the famous Casey Underground, <laughs> Underground podcast. Just kidding. Infamous. I it's was more than famous. <laughs> infamous. As that I was eating uh, some peanuts and it got caught in my throat and I kept choking and I was like, oh, sorry, I'm choking on a peanut. And for whatever reason, that's just been a you know a, a callback humor, regular callback humor joke. So I am so happy that you're choking. That doesn't sound nice. Mm-hmm. Why did you just put that much trail mix in your mouth at the same time? You're you're forcing me just to talk all by my like monologue for like this <laughs> next like three minutes. So you know what? I'm just gonna do that. Take your time, chew. All right, no one wants to listen, like, with you in a microphone. So here we are. What is this? Is this observation number five? Number six. It's number five. It's number five. I'm literally, <laughs> I'm literally looking at the actual report. Guys, we've been we've been in this for a while, but we're going to re- go over it one more and time. And gals. Guys means guys and gals, all right? That's what I mean. Keep going. Multi-gender y'all or whatever you people say um is that so we're, we're sitting in this 248 research study of like all these the you know the top characteristics of urban disciple making movements what is actually on the ground out as we look at uh movements in urban context what are the characteristics of that number five this was an interesting one um and so we're actually going to bug our friend michael sherwin again uh just to hear more about like what they actually i'm having a hard time uh, with this one i'm excited for this conversation because brian is so tense and he's just pounding trail mix and just opened up a coke i mean is this really iron man worthy right now nope (laughs) all right uh well so because here's what's going to happen is we're like we're going to go over number five here number five is this Potential strategy. Invest one-on-one in disciple-making relationships that that. multiply. Go back and add the word. No, no, you didn't. You made up a word. Invest one-on-one in disciple-making relationships that multiply. I literally just read word for word what observation number five is. I was going to the potential strategy component, which is literally the same thing with a couple of extra (laughs) words. Well, then please read that. Please read that. It says that disciple-makers should establish and maintain clear one-on-one disciple-making relationships that are encouraged to reproduce and multiply. Can I voice why there's a tension here? If you don't, I will. Here's the tension. (laughs) And I'm actually, I'm picking up on this, and I think this is great. Uh, But Brian and his just limited mindset is really... It's (laughs) not. I'm just trying to intentionally cause the tension. We have a bunch of observations that we actually have. Like if you read um, our, what do we call it? um, Basically, what's the... What's the word I'm looking for? The chapter that we wrote that's the introduction to all things KC Underground. Where? You, me, and Rob wrote it. It's our... Oh, the Missionary Pathway Primer? Primer. That's the word I was looking for. It starts... (laughs) We wrote this, and we we talk about our own observations, but really it's mental paradigm shifts. When we think about movement type of disciple-making as opposed to maybe what we've done in traditional kind of church type of settings right, or Western kind of church settings. And one of those is we got we to gotta shift from this idea that disciple-making is merely one-on-one and we have to think about it in terms of groups, reaching groups of people instead of one-on-one. So we spend a lot of time talking about that. And then we look at number five observation, 
which just says, okay, disciple makers should, you know, have some clear one-on-one disciple making that multiply. And so in that, we're just sitting in that, okay, what's, how is this all true? What does this look like on the ground? Why is Brian so angry? You know, all those things that we just have to really wrestle through. Well, I think the reason that I was having a hard time is because I didn't finish reading the line. <laughs> and I was just honing in on the one-on-one disciple-making and not the encourage to reproduce and multiply. Like, I get it in that context. It's just for so long I'd heard one-on-one, life-on-life, yeah. one-on-one. And yep. even the life-on-life could mean more than one, but it was always like one-on-one. And I just heard that over and over, and it didn't seem to make sense to me. Because it doesn't appear that Jesus had a whole lot of relationships that were one-on-one. He had a lot of conversations that are one-on-one. I don't want to detract from that. Mm -hmm. Um, And I'm not opposed to, like, investing in another person. I think that we just get so locked up in, like, a—I don't even know what bothers me about it. Because it it sounds—probably because it sounds slow. Yeah. And it sounds like— it's just me and one other person, and there's not there's you lose accountability in that you yeah. lose creativity because you're losing the voice of others engaging. Yeah. Um, it's like I'm so reproducing this one thing that is one dimensional. Yeah, and so all, I, I think those are all kind of parts of getting around why it totally. Has frustrated. No, me. and it's true because I mean, here is the reality: if we're going to reach a city. We've got to do a lot more than reproduce one-on-one relationships. If one person reads one person, and we always talk about that, but here's the reality. It's actually not multiplicative or exponential. It's just continually adding one more, right? Like one plus right. one plus one. Even so, if we're reproducing a bunch of one-on-one relationships, I think what also, like, the reality is when we think about discipleship, like, just put that in quotes, discipleship. If you are churched, uh Discipleship usually, yeah, can mean sitting one-on-one with someone in a coffee shop and you're reading a book or you're having a one-on-one Bible study or fill in the blank, right? Like there's, that is like the mental picture that so many of us in the church in the West have is one-on-one disciple making. So when we're talking about movement, we obviously have a lot of one-on-one type of settings. How are they being reproduced? How are leaders being developed? How are disciples being developed? And I will just say on the ground, this observation rings very true with me is that yes we're always training people to reach their people plural or we are also trying to collectively um, plant the gospel in settings where there are multiple people we have to get past just a one-on-one but in the midst of all that there's tons of one-on-one settings one-on-one relationships like i probably spend half my time to be totally honest investing in one-on-one leaders people who will reproduce people who have the ability or the calling or whatever to to reach lots of people right so that's a that's a thing we say a lot is like find the one who can reach the many that is often finding the one sometimes takes one-on-one investment for a season it also takes here's the reality too sometimes you invest one-on-one on people and it doesn't work yeah and it feels very frustrating and very slow and it's like yeah and that is <laughs> that's infuriating man that is infuriating but it's also just the reality because i i'm limited in my i am not sovereign i'm not all-knowing and so i'm very limited in in knowing that you know sometimes it's a good thing Suze doesn't listen to this podcast <laughs> seriously is this a we interviewed her before, but it's not. I don't think it it's for this we topic. We haven't released it yet. Yeah. yeah. Oh man. Well, it's so wise. She, she's so wise. 
What? <laughs> just trying to. Anyway, where, where, where I, there's where some we? there's some <laughs> nuance to this though that as I'm continuing to read through it and understand it, it's like I I think you're the reason I have a problem with this. Yeah, sorry, sorry, <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry. <laughs> because of the the multiplicative conversation, the exponential, um, and I think the nuance of this one is. Like what they're really saying is like, well, clearly Jesus discipled in group context mainly, the three, the 12, the 72. But also he took Peter aside and was like, hey, we should, me, we should talk about some things. <laughs> you can't say that in front of the dudes. Right, right. You know? Also, hey, you really hurt me, and we need mm-hmm. to restore this relationship. And I think that is what this observation is really pointing out, because it says most often the disciple maker is also discipling others and not mm-hmm. just one person. Yes. It's not saying you should only disciple one-on-one. It's saying you should disciple multiple people. A lot of times you're just going to have one-on-one meetings. Yep. It's also saying you shouldn't just do one-on-one meetings. You should do group disciple making because that's more effective. Mm-hmm. Like when we started the underground, we did a lot of one-on-one coaching, and then we're like, okay, we don't all have capacity right. to do this. And it seems that we're having some of the same conversations <laughs> in these one-on-one environments. We should do this in a group because it's more effective. Yeah. There's three to five people here. Yeah. But this, like the nuance of this, it's also saying the person being discipled might also be being discipled one-on-one by several different people. Yeah. Which is means they're getting their, um, they're getting that multifaceted approach in different ways, and then I can also bring it up with you. Hey, I heard like this person was teaching me this, and like I want to run this past you, and mm-hmm. like hear your angle on this. Yeah. Um, and like the reality is, in an urban context, when our lives are busy, when we're all in multiple places, I can't always do group coaching either. Yeah. I can't show up to the thing at the time when everybody's getting together to do the group coaching. But I do have time for coffee tomorrow, do you? Turns yeah. out I do. Yeah. I can show up, you know. 100%. I mean, let's just put this in the greater context of what we're trying to do. So when I was working for a church, great church, right? Um, usually I, my disciple make I don't know that. It was great. Okay. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> great people. Sorry. Yeah, why? He just so contrarian today. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just... How 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 am I supposed to believe it's good? I'm feeling sassy. <laughs> <laughs> but like, you know... These, I mean, this group, I'm totally thrown off by that. It's like, what's wrong with these people now? Like, I'm just thinking of all the relationships that Brian just... <laughs> sorry, I'm so sorry. No, and then in that context, like, let's say you come from that world. Let's say you're a church leader in that world, or even you've ever had any kind of role of leadership in a local church like that. Usually the people that I'm even finding to disciple are the people who are coming to the church who maybe show hunger to get more involved or whatever. So we find those people and we're just going to invest one-on-one. Um, well, what is that? That goes further into our own paradigm of church. You're going to get more into the programs, more into the, there's good things about it, right? But you're kind of, you're, you're, you're sucking in that person more and more into the world, the vortex of that church environment. Now let's look at the context of movement. Well, we're trying the whole infrastructure, the whole ecosystem that we're trying to build within underground or just in other movement pockets is that everything is multiplicative. We're pushing people out, right? They're going back to their places. They're going back to their places. So one-on-one is very, it's a huge part of that other paradigm, but it's the vortex sucking in. Um, Out here, it's multiplicative. So I'm still investing in the person who's going to reproduce things. But sometimes just the reality of the urban environment, the individualistic, the busyness, the hunger for relationships is that 
one-on-one is still a key, key part of that strategy, right? Like I really need to sit down and talk with someone, right? So some of they're already believers, you're investing in them, but it's still, it's for the purpose of multiplication. Other times you're about to, Brian's leaning in, but I mean, I'm just thinking of my last week. Like, That's what I was going to say is I, I think it would be helpful to put some context on it. Like, <laughs> yeah. Um, I, just to give the story of you and James, like he's, oh, yeah. he's a key leader within one of the hubs within a whole network of micro churches and disciple makers. Mm. And you do a lot of meetings with him. Yeah. And that, like when we were arguing before we started this podcast, <laughs> we're like, <laughs> I mean, yeah, I was like, I'm not, obviously I, winning the entire time. <laughs> It's like, I don't, I don't know why we're doing this one. It's, I don't like this one. It's one-on-one. Corey's like, well, actually, this is like a majority of my week doing this. I would argue I have a lot of the same yeah, you do. Um, throughout the week. And I was like, oh, I, I guess that's true of me too. <laughs> like I don't spend yeah. a bunch of time doing group disciple making, I, but we do. Like Thursday is an example of um, getting to invest in a bunch of leaders in one space. Mm-hmm. I don't want to call that purely disciple making because I'm not fully giving those people my life. But mm. we gave them a lot of access on Thursday mornings. A group of leaders trying to do the same thing we're mm. doing. Yeah. I don't want to equate that with like real disciple making on the ground, but it's yeah. an example of, hey, we're giving you um, a limited amount of us. We want to help you reproduce where you are. Mm-hmm. That's a way of disciple making. But then there's plenty of other environments where it's like, mm, it's just us meeting for coffee. But I know that on the other side of you is a whole network of relationships of these types of relationships. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, maybe just a little yeah, bit more of I mean, how I mean, it J- developed with James. James is an example. I'm going to probably cherry pick from a handful of different examples. And I might use specific names. Like, But, the, yeah, let's look at James Mace. So James. And regular contributor. Regular contri- contributor James. And he's told this story a lot um, where, you know, he, he stumbled in to kind of share the hope. He was high. Um, this is early on, and now over time, uh, he is one of the most effective leaders I've been around. Um, in that, he's a hub leader. He's a microchurch leader. He's always making disciples, right? Um, and it hasn't always been the easiest journey for him, right? I mean, there's a lot of things in his past that comes up, but what what I think a lot of just one on one has meant is not that I'm the guru. Right. hanging out and pouring all of my knowledge into this person. It's just one-on-one, like becoming good friends, investing in each other's lives. Like James has taught and spoken so much back into me where we become good friends, but I have given my time because I want this person is someone who God has highlighted as this is an influential, multiplicative leader for even a specific context. Like it's it, it goes with what we'll be talking about soon is about inside leadership, prioritize, prioritizing inside leadership. That's part of what I'm always trying to do is I'm trying to find individuals who have leadership, disciple-making influence who can reach the many, and I want to spend a lot of time with that person. I want our lives to, uh, we're going to just talk, we're going to like invest, and some of it's like intentional and programmatic, but the vast majority of it's not. Like we're, and it's going to be a lot of those in one-on-one settings, and in that, becoming really good friends. I think of leaders like, you know, high level leaders like Guy, Guy Fadlala, right? Who's helping, you know, in the For the Nations and all that. He's reaching people via soccer and coaching. Guy is a high level leader. 
Um, he's been following Jesus for a long time. He's now a doctor, Dr. Fadlada, Fadlala. Can you, can you a little shout out for that? Um, you know, but like Guy and I hung out a long time one-on-one, right? We're just like, you know, pouring into each other's lives, but helping people get this paradigm shift, this understanding of what multiplicative disciple making looks like. There's a, there's a young guy that I've been hanging out with, right? That he's like 20, 21 years old, um, you know, who doesn't really yet know Jesus, but I'm investing into this person. I see, I see hunger and I see um, a crying out to God and I see that this person could reach others. But, you know, like right now, it's just a lot of one-on-one time that we're hanging out, you know. I have other settings, like we're building some stuff with some young adults where I'm hanging out with, you know, four to six young adults weekly and a more of intentional conversation, right? But I think really the key what we're talking about is relationships and what's appropriate as we're raising up people to multiply themselves and to reach their own people, maybe they're already followers of Jesus. Maybe they're potential leaders. Maybe they're not yet followers of Jesus, but they have, you know, there's like, you see God pulling on them. Like all of those things in a, the reality is in an urban context, we, there's some one-on-one time that, you know, then you got to hone in on those, spend time. And it's not always fast, but it will eventually be fast. And that's hard. That's a multiplicative kind of thing. So, yeah, I'm just like thinking just my last week of like the the amount of one-on-one investments. Right. Go ahead. <laughs> yeah. I leaned in. I thought you were going to keep going, and so I pulled out. And anyway, so that's a, <laughs> so, no, I'm, I'm, all, I'm all ready so for you. I was writing some things down. Um, like the, I think maybe you highlighted something that really was I, – I didn't know how to express earlier, but the guru piece is like mm-hmm. – even in group disciple making, though, that could be a danger. Absolutely. But that was like something I think, and it's like, man, if I'm just investing in that one person, I don't know. I don't know how to fully express that, but just yeah. like the the danger of what that type of kind of relationship could be when no one else is speaking into it. Mm. But then you continued on with some really insightful things, and I was thinking of the difference between a network leader and a microchurch leader. Mm. And the way that they hear this and see this. So just trying to be practical in light of uh, the different um, people in the audience, our listening audience. Um, Like as a network leader, you're thinking about the specific people you said because they're also leading kind of at, um, like with with James, you're like, he's leading a lot of the network of yeah. Share the Hope and yeah. a microchurch. So it's like you investing personally in him. You know there's a host of leaders on mm-hmm. the other side. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's like a leader investing in a high-capacity um, key leader that is able to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't like making um, false dichotomies here either or trying to create like a a, a pastoral caste and a laity, mm-hmm. you know. <laughs> but then I'm, I am thinking about an everyday leader, Mm -hmm. an ordinary person who has um, a job, who's investing their time in their family and in these other roles. Um, And like there is a reality of, I'm just thinking, I'm putting myself in my own context where we want to see a microchurch emerge and um, more disciple making, right? So without being too specific, it's like, the people that I'm engaging in that place, they have jobs and lives too. And sometimes they just need to meet one on one and I can accelerate some relationship because I can go have lunch or have coffee. Right. Um, and I can hear some nuance that they won't share in a group Yep. because there's a, a, a level of trust and confidentiality. Um, it's, it's, it's just a more 
open space because mm-hmm. I'm not worried about what the whole group is going to think of me if I if I say something there. Uh, but there, so I, I guess I'm just trying to think of something practical to go as like an everyday leader that's not thinking maybe at a network level, which doesn't make one better or more important. It's just the realities of if I'm in a context, I have all these other things I do and, and have to spend my time with. When I do one-on-one stuff, it needs to be really intentional. Mm-hmm. Like I've said yes to giving up an hour of my time to one person rather than three people mm-hmm. at a time. Yeah. I think a lot of it is the overflow of hyper-focus, right? So that's why we tell people sniper, not shotgun. And then Brian's like, well, don't be so violent. I'm like, but <laughs> as we sniper in, if I'm really hyper-focused on a specific context, you're going to see the appropriate places and people that need some one-on-one time, right? Like, so it's like, I'm, I'm trying to reach this entire neighborhood. I'm trying to reach this entire friend group. Um, I can't do it alone. Like, and then I'm starting to build relationships, have spiritual conversations. We're starting. And then like in that you're getting group gatherings together to read the Bible and begin to plant the gospel in a group and do discovery Bible study settings in that other things are going to emerge And this particular person who's voicing some things. And you're saying, Ooh, I think this person either one needs some just, they're not sharing everything they want to share or another, or maybe it's the same person or somebody different. It's like, Ooh, this person is a leader, right? They may not know Jesus yet. Maybe they've been following Jesus for a while, but I want to hang out with this person. And it's so hard because I want to tell a couple of really specific stories, but I, I, I just don't feel like it's appropriate. Uh, but well, there's s- sit with it for a minute okay. while I kind of give a little bit more nuance to this one. And you go, you figure out either how to make it more generic or yep, decide yep, yep. not to, yeah, yep. to say it. Because anyway, just jumping back into like the high level of this one, we're bringing it up because it's a part of this entire research project. Mm-hmm. And we just said we're going to go through these and see what they teach us and see if they it brings out anything that would be practical for those that listen to this podcast. And cause basically somebody else did our work for us. <laughs> Shout out. But on this one, I really make a living on that though. That's kind of my thing. That is true. Yeah. 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 So I appreciate it. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, on this one, um, one-on-one disciple making in cities is fruitful, but may only be a part of the big picture. Mm-hmm. And so it's like, Again, we intentionally started with a little bit of tension mm-hmm. to say like, oh, this feels weird. I don't know if we should do this one. Um, but it's like... Then we can stage reconciliation. <clears throat> right. Yeah, yeah. I love you, man. So <laughs> we wanted to... It, it is important to say it is a part of the bigger picture. And it's inappropriate to act like we don't ever do one-on-one conversations mm-hmm. that are a part of our disciple making. In fact, it's, it's really important for me to have gone through this one and go, no, it's just, it's true. You do that a lot. So stop saying over and over, just do group disciple making, mm-hmm. just do group coaching. Um, because I do kind of take that posture a lot of times and I'll, I'll make the excuse that it's about effectiveness. Mm-hmm. You know, this is about being effective. Well, you know what? Sometimes being more effective means, that you end up sacrificing good, healthy relationships mm-hmm. and caring for people well. And that's not okay. Mm-hmm. And this is that space where it's like the reality is prefer a relationship. Yeah. Prefer going slow yeah. and, and effective. You don't have to sacrifice one for the other. So again, I'm not trying to make a dichotomy here, but it, it's just important to say in the last um, idea that we explored. And then we had a couple of interviews. It was like invest high commitment, intentional relationships. And I was like, this sounds duh. You know what I mean? Like it didn't, mm-hmm. 
I'm, I'm not diminishing their research either. It's just like we live so much into this. It didn't feel like, oh, wow. Yeah. You know, and then this one is sort of an iteration off of that. And it's like even knowing these things, it's just important to go back and talk about them sometimes and go, yep. Yeah. I need to pay attention personally in my own context about doing a few more one-on-ones mm. to increase some relational capital so that I can help them do this with others. Yeah. That's really good, man. Yeah. Again, it's the, it's within the greater paradigm. It's the greater ecos- ecosystem of multiplication. So that's where it's so key. It's like one-on-one's okay. Cause we're, we're going towards multiplication. Like the very generic story of the context that I'm in is that like the microchurch setting, cool stuff. I don't stall might be the wrong word, but maybe slowing down in terms of um, momentum and God brings into the fold a new family that very early in their journey and hungry for Jesus and know a bunch of other people in the neighborhood that they're a part of. So it was like suddenly there is this this um, this energy this of spiritual hunger and like immediately getting the vision of, oh, we could do this ourselves, right? Um, and so you know what that person that person probably needs some one-on-one investment. Mm-hmm. Help them get the vision, help them understand where we're going. Um, and that's beautiful. That's okay. And sometimes it's like that's all of it is just comes from the ground up. Sometimes God brings the right person at the right time. But be ready to hone in and pour into the people that God has called you to pour into. And you don't have to be the expert. You just be present. Read the Bible together. Love and be a good friend. Be present, but have some one-on-one time. Because so many of these observations really they they uh <laughs> they overlap right i mean like we need to invest in one on one because we also need to invest in high commitment people and people are also pretty lonely and they're looking for you know a lot of the things that characterize urban context is why we're saying okay we need to invest one on one we need to have high commitment we need to do these things because if we don't if we sacrifice relationship or we try to speed by it just for the sake of some ministry goal then people read that and they they feel disconnected and they fall through the cracks. So that's just the reality. We're in an urban environment. You're going to need to invest one-on-one because relationships is the key. We can't sacrifice it. Easy to, I don't want to say rural movements sacrifice it, but the stickiness of relationships is already there, right? It's like people have their people. We reach, the, like there, there's, a, there's a, a quickness of catalyticness. That's the wrong way of saying, like a catalytic speed that can happen in a rural type of context where maybe you don't have to invest as much relationally. We have to, we have to in cities. Like we just have to, because that's, you know, without it, people are just lonely and and isolated. So I think that makes sense. I'm excited to hear what Michael has to say about this. We haven't reached back out to Michael to say that he, (laughs) but he did tell us early on. Yeah, totally. If you want to interview us again. Um, So if it's not Michael, it'll be someone else from 248. But I was just sitting there thinking, I was like, we should reach out to him. And you're early. I remembered early in the podcast, you were like, yeah, we're going to have him back. And I was like, Sure hope that guy says yes. Oh, he'll say yes. <laughs> if he doesn't, then somebody else from 248 will jump in. But Because um, I, I remember when we interviewed Michael, and this is Michael Sherwin, who kind of was the head of this this project. He We had we said, like, hey, dude, can we circle back on some things? He's like, yeah, totally. So, um, yeah, I, I think this is helpful for us. Uh, investing one-on-one is still in the, the sense of thinking of multiplication is just key. And, and we're talking about leaders. We're talking about network leaders. But we're talking about disciples. We're talking about people who don't know Jesus yet, but we're leaning in. We're always, we're looking to plant the gospel in a group of people, but in order to, to speed that up or to raise up leaders, a lot of that happens in one-on-one as well. Yeah. So last thing we will run through just the questions for discussion and reflection, because we've done this with all the others. 
So reflect on some of the primary ways that mentors, leaders, or disciples have invested in your disciple-making journey. So what would you like to imitate? What would you choose to do differently? Oh, those are good questions. Uh, how might high-cost, high-commitment disciple-making relationships look like in your context? And what practical ways can you and your team invest in your disciple-making relationships more intentionally? And are there statements, suggestions, or conclusions here that should influence what we do? Um, for example, Corey and I just sort of walk through. Yeah, there's some conclusions here. I should probably stop just saying do group coaching, do group disciple making. Jesus didn't do one on one. That's not okay. Like I need to adjust that. Hey, it's okay. Hey, thanks, Corey. We're still going to lean towards group. Yeah. Plant the gospel in communities. It's okay, Brian. There's a lot of realities at play, and yeah. it's helpful to go through. Research documents like this, uh, equipping like this, just to keep asking the questions. How do we just keep following Jesus well? Boom, 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 boom. Thanks for listening to the Underground Podcast. We hope that it's either been an encouragement to you or that it's created a curiosity about what it means to live into a missionary mindset with an aim to make disciples and see the church emerge. If you're a missionary or a microchurch in Kansas City and you're looking for coaching or just belonging within a network, we'd love to connect with you so we can learn about what you are doing and how you are joining Jesus for gospel saturation in this city. If you're outside the Kansas City area and have questions about what it would mean to catalyze a disciple-making movement that leads to the emergence of microchurches in every network within your city, we'd love to connect with you as well and offer whatever resources might be helpful to you. You can find out more at kcunderground.com. Grace and peace, friends.